Thank you for joining us online today. If you have a testimony or a prayer request that you would like to share with us, you can text HOTL to 97000. And if you'd like to partner with us financially, you can text the dollar amount to 84321. Thank you again for joining us. I hope you enjoy the message and have a fantastic day. So I had kind of a funny thing happen to me. Not funny, but I had to go into the doctor and I just had this little like spot, you know, it's like little thing like, hey, take a look at that because I've spent a lot of time out in the sun and et cetera, et cetera. And, and so they, you know, they, you know, they burn it. Anybody had anything burned off their skin? That's kind of a different thing. You know, you get a little older, young people don't know what that's like yet. Dana, you know what that's like. So anyway, they'll figure it out. Um, so anyway, I go in there and he says, yeah, he says, it's pretty common. He says, you age, men age more on their left side. I'm like, I've never heard that before. Well, then about two weeks ago, I go into uh, the eye, Costco to the, get my eyes checked. And my prescription had changed. And so my, actually, my left eye was not as good as it used to be. And he goes, yeah, he says, uh, your left side um, will age more than your, and I'm like, that's twice, man. <laughs> and my, like my left side now is just like feeling so old. <laughs> My right side looks good. <laughs> Last week, I talked about the matter of people and that if people matter to God, that they should matter to us. And one of the things I want to revisit is the matter of our heart towards people. I just want to just, just kind of recap a little bit because I think it's so important. We see because we can lose our compassion because of offense, because of bitterness, uh, because of bad experiences, and if we're not careful, our feels go away, if you will. The other thing that happens to us is we, we, we experience compassion fatigue. Never before in history, never before in history have we had such sudden, even immediate access to tragedy, to the news of suffering, reports of evil things happening. I mean, it's just like it's immediate, and we're, we're absolutely... Uh, it, it, it's crazy how much it happens. And we get hardened, we get jaded and cynical, and if I can say, we get judgmental towards people. My hope is that, that I always have, is that people can change. And I know that people can change because my testimony is that God changed me. And when you, when you, when you open your heart to Jesus and believe you give the Holy Spirit access to start the home makeover. Amen? And for me, it was the extreme home makeover. It was the extreme, extreme home makeover because there was a lot of things in shambles. Some of it was environmental. Some of it was how I was brought up. Some of it was because of self-determination, self-inflicted because of the path I had chosen to walk and the path I chose to stray from. When I think about extreme makeover shows, I don't really like follow those shows, but I appreciate people that are able to see through the rundown, dilapidated stuff and willing to do the work so something can be made new. Amen. I mean, that always amazes me that people can see just something that's just a wreck and go, hey, I think there's some good bones to that thing and we're going to do some rebuilding. In Isaiah 58, 11, 
It says, then the Lord shall be, will be your guide at all times in dry places. He will give you water in full measure and make strong your bones. And you will be like a watered garden and like an ever-flowing stream. To someone here today, you know, I got my message ready and, and I was just kind of pondering and meditating and praying and I felt like God wanted me to add this for some people here today. God can strengthen your bones. God can breathe new life into you and new hope into you. And you can, you, you can feel like the dry bones in Ezekiel 37 where it says, and he asked me, son of man, can these bones live? And I said, so, sovereign God, you alone know. And then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. And I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. Someone here this morning, you need to hear that. God will make breath enter into you and you will come to life. And God sees through the wreck of our lives, but he sees the bones. And he says, you know, even if they're broken, I can fix them. Even if they're messed up, I can make them whole. And God sees the treasure in you before you do. Isn't that amazing? God sees the treasure in you and then he calls you into that process of change. God saw where you were, and he still had a picture in his heart of what he desired you to be. And then this process of change begins to happen. Colossians 3.10 says, And have put on the new man who's renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. And then 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, But we all with unveiled face beholding as in a mirror, the glory of God, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Man, that's the process of God. And in the list of things, we're in this series that we've entitled Things That Matter to God. The topic this morning is essential. It's essential. You've got to get this. The term... I'm getting a little bit of feedback up here. Maybe you could turn me down a little bit so I can yell a little louder. I'm just kidding. In the list of things that matter to God, this is essential. The term and word we will unpack is used in the Bible over a hundred times. This term, this principle that we're going to use is used over a hundred times in the Bible. And I think when the Bible includes something over a hundred times, we should probably pay attention, right? See, I don't find that many Christians use this term. Just going to set you up. For example, the word rapture is used a lot in Christian circles, but you can't find that word in the Bible. But this word that we unpack is written over a hundred times, and we don't use it much unless we're trying to apply it to other people. I got a word for you. And the word and the term and the principle I'm talking about is used to describe the action of changing your mind. And that word is repentance. That word is repentance. We like that word if we're trying to apply it to somebody else. Amen. Repent. Oh, man, said the street corner preacher. Right? He might, he, might have, he, he might preach the same sermon, sermon 5,000 different ways. Repent! But sometimes what happens is we, we don't really want it to apply to us. 
I believe that to be a good shepherd, it's something that needs to be preached every year at some point. Because when someone hears the word repent, most likely the word judgment comes. But this, this word, this concept, this principle is one of the most powerful, powerful words and concepts for someone coming into the kingdom. It's a power tool that's been given to us by God as we will unpack it. Amen? Come on. The Greek word for repentance derives from a verb meaning to radically change one's thinking. Repentance refers to an event in which an individual attains a divinely provided, listen, divinely provided new understanding of their behavior and then feels compelled to change that behavior and begin a new relationship with God. Most believers look at this word with condemnation, thinking that it only refers to the process of sorrow. When Jesus preached repentance, he was declaring a revelation that was so powerful, it would transform the way that they had lived and were doing things. To change your mind about sin and change your mind about Jesus. Those are the two amazing Things See, that, that the revelation that he brought was good news, that God is calling you, that all your efforts, your own efforts, could not restore right relationship. So Jesus came and did what we could not do. That's, that a system of a legal religion and liturgy was not sufficient then or now. And that relationship and everlasting life is impossible. The Bible's got a lot to say about repentance. We may not be comfortable talking about repentance, but it was the foundation of John the Baptist's ministry. In Luke 3.3, 3, it said, And he went into all the region around the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sin. And then we see in Luke 3, 8, bear fruit in keeping with repentance and do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Jesus talked about repentance a lot. In fact, it's interesting because the first public words of John the Baptist's ministry was repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And the first words of Jesus' public ministry was repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. That's amazing. That's powerful. That's something we should actually embrace, even though at first blush, it's like, ooh, I don't know about that. In Luke 5.32, Jesus said this, I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. I want, I want you to change your mind. Luke 15.7, Jesus said, just though I tell you there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. So repentance is not just being sorrowful. You can be sorrowful and not change direction. Come on, we got to get a hold of this. The Bible says that worldly sorrow leads to death. So there is a sorrow, but it's different. Repentance biblically is a key to the entrance to the kingdom of God. Acts eleven eighteen. When they heard these things, they fell silent, and they glorified God, saying, Then to the Gentiles also God has granted repentance that leads to life. 
Repentance means that we have a change change in thinking from our perspective to God's perspective. And it leads then to action on our part. And when we do so, we, we turn and we go in God's direction. It's a power tool. It's something that will actually absolutely change your life. And, and I have to say this, it's a powerful gift. Actually, repentance is a gift from God. It's not a condemnation and it's not a, you know, it's not something that you beat somebody up with. It's actually a principle that actually God gives us and it's a gift. Because the Bible says that we can't even come to repentance unless God grants it to us. Isn't that amazing? It's like there's some divine interaction that happens with this principle and this concept that's so powerful. Because repentance is possible because God initiates it. I don't know if you've ever thought about that before. You know, a lot of times we're, we're going in a direction and we know it's not the right direction and maybe the Holy Spirit or the Word of God or, you know, and, and we go, okay, I, I know I, I not need, need to do that, but we realize that first, that first sense of sorrow, godly sorrow, God initiates the process of repentance in our life so that we'll turn and become like the image that he has for us in his heart. Romans 2, 4. Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? So I love to look at it like this. Repentance is something that God gives and something that man does. God initiates and man responds or doesn't respond and doesn't repent. So it's like, it's like the two sides of a coin. There's a partnership that begins with the, that actually begins the extreme makeover in our life. And and, and it's, the, it's, the, it's the word of God, and it's the presence of God, it's the love of God, it's the grace of God, it's the kindness of God that basically begins to tug and touch on a person's life and say, you're created for more than this. You're created for more than this. Have you ever seen uh, something so many times that you forget what it looked like when it was new? God has never forgotten the image of you, like holding the picture of a loved one that he holds in his heart. And repentance is the process that he uses to open our eyes to the areas of our life that need to be changed. Repentance causes us to turn from sin, and repentance also helps us to see the, the, the horrific effects of it and turn to him instead. Repentance is about changing your mind about sin and changing your mind about Jesus. Get really quiet in here. Here, here lies the rub. Sometimes we don't want to change our mind. Can I get an amen? amen. <laughs> we don't want to change our mind. Sometimes we want to put on just enough Jesus to make us feel a little better. But we don't really like, uh, it's, like inviting, it's like inviting somebody over to your house. And then going, man, I hope, okay, let's close the back the bedroom door in the back because it's a mess. Any of you ever done that? We had some we had some people over to dinner the other night. And I mean, Robbie and I, we didn't, you know, I mean, it was great. We love it. You know, we're doing these little dinner for eights that we do. And But I'm telling you what, that back bedroom looked like a wreck 
goes like, oh, we got to take all this stuff and clear it up. And you just throw it in there. And then you go, you ain't coming in this back bedroom. <laughs> right? But sometimes that's how we treat Jesus. We just go, okay, cool, man. The living room looks good. The kitchen looks good. This area of my life looks good. But um, can, can I just kind of reserve this for myself back here? And then the Holy Spirit moves on you and says, no, I, I, I want to remake the whole house. I don't want to just remake the, the kitchen in the living room. I want to remake the whole house. I want to do the whole house up because you know what? You, need, you didn't realize that you needed an extreme makeover. You thought you needed just a little remodel, right? And like, no, 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 no. You ever got into a remodel and you think this is going to be easy? Said no builder ever. And then you get into it, and then you realize, oh my gosh, I couldn't believe how bad this thing was. Because one thing leads to another thing, leads to another thing. But here's the thing. This is the grace of God and the kindness of God that is saying, if you will trust me, if you will trust me and just open up, open up all the doors of your life and your heart, I will come in and I'm going to remake something because I've got an image of you in my heart. It's like carrying, how many of you carry like a picture of your kids in your wallet? Some people do. Or on your phone. I guess it's not your wallet anymore. It's got to be on your phone. <laughs> God carries that image of us in his heart. Before the universe, I knew you. Before you were formed in your mother's womb, I knew you. I know the plans that I have for you. So he's got this thing in there, and he's saying, man, if you'll just trust the Holy Spirit, if you just trust me, I'm going to come in, and I know you don't want me to look in that closet, but I, come on, man, I'm God. I already know what's in the closet, right? You think closing the door is actually going to hide something from God? Isn't that crazy? Well, maybe if I close the door and I just put a little paint on this door, God will think it's all good, right? No, he knows. There's nothing hidden from him. So quit pretending that there is. And then he comes. And, and here's the trust that comes in. You realize when God begins to move in your life, in some area of your life, and says, listen, I want to give you a, a different revelation. I want you to live differently than what you've been living. It's like, it's for your good. And then sometimes you go, I don't know, this could be really painful. And God says, well, it might be painful because you might have to give up some old junk. But we don't like to give up old junk. We like to store it, right? And sometimes we just don't want to change our mind. Have you ever wanted your spouse or your mom or your dad to change their mind about something and they just won't? Come on, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. That's kind of how we can be. I don't want to change my mind. Please come in, Jesus. But you're not the boss of me. Come on, we may not say that, but we act like that. I'm just going to preach it straight. Sometimes pride is the tool that keeps us from wanting to change our mind on something. My mind is made up. Or the challenge, change my mind, right? Like it's a challenge, and honestly, most of the time it is. Like you're driving, and your wife points out that you took a wrong turn. 
Come on, I'll be honest, I hate that. Isn't that weird? I hate when she's right. I mean, it's not weird. It's like, because the pride comes up, right? I got every, every wife shaking her head, and the guy's just going, oh my gosh, I'm just getting thrown under the bus. You know, but what happens is that, so, so I take a wrong turn, and maybe if it's not my wife, it's Siri. And then, you know, a little rerouting. I, I hate that, rerouting. Because a lot of times I feel like I know better than her how to get from point A to point B. Come on, AJ, you're shaking your head, bro. See, 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 this is how we are. This is that, that self-determination pride that comes in. And so, so, so basically, here's what repentance looks like and here's what it doesn't look like. I take a wrong turn and my, my wife basically says, you made the wrong turn. And I say, I'm sorry, but I don't go back and correct it. See, repentance is like an initiation from God and then a activation by us. It's twofold. It's like, the, it's like a two-sided coin. Repentance is about changing your mind that leads to a changing of your action. And a lot of times we don't get that. The Greek word is metanoneo. And it's a concept that a change of mind is powerful and it's followed by action. Simplistically, I've illustrated it like this before. I'm going in one direction and then I have a second thought that actually reveals the error of that direction and I decide to turn and go the other way. That is repentance. Repentance simply is having a second thought that re that basically shows you the error of the first thought and, and it, cha it changes your action. We can see examples of the concept in history that are like, like, like that just, it's amazing the power that it has. For example, Olympic coaches and scientists had concluded after years of research and experience that it was physically impossible that's the determination they made. It was physically impossible for a man to run the mile in under four minutes. And then came a man named Roger Bannister breaking the barrier. And within a few years, more than 40 men had actually broken the four-minute mile barrier. Because there was a thought, ah, oh, this can be done. And it resulted in an amazing act. We see this. In science, we see that Galileo and the scientists of his day believed that the sun, the moon, and the stars revolved around the earth. That was their understanding of scientific um, uh, knowledge. When there was a new revelation, when there was a metaneo moment, when there was a repentance, if you will, a shift in the mind, it changed the model of how science operated. And now they had an accurate model to work with. Have you ever thought about David slaying Goliath? Up until that time, nobody had killed a giant. Think about that. Couldn't be done. David, through faith, the power of God and the anointing, actually slayed a giant. And shortly thereafter, man began to slay giants. Isn't that crazy? It's, that's repentance. 
Repentance is not just a curse word. It's not a condemnation thing. It's actually a powerful, active, divine principle that God initiates. And then when we respond to that, it changes our action and our trust and our faith are so needed because sometimes we're like, I don't know if I want to open that door, God. I'm kind of comfortable with that room. I'm comfortable with that habit. I'm comfortable with this thing that I'm doing, and maybe I'm sorry about it, but if you're sorry about it and you haven't changed your actions about it, that's actually not repentance. Repentance is a powerful gift from God in our lives, and we should not shrink away from it. It's like the warning light on the dash of your car. The light comes on, service needed, service needed, service needed. I read a story a while back of a guy that had a service-needed light come on his car, and he thought there was something wrong, so he went and jerked the wires off. And then shortly thereafter, basically blew the whole motor up. It's the Word of God or the Holy Spirit saying, change your mind. Think differently. D.L. Moody writes this, man is born with his back toward God, and when he truly repents, he turns right around and faces God. Repentance is a change of mind. Repentance is the tear in the eye of faith. Repentance will change you. The story about two guys that opened a butcher shop and they prospered. Then this evangelist comes to town and one of the butchers was saved and he tried to persuade his partner to accept salvation also, but to no avail. Why won't you, Charlie, asked the board again fellow. Listen, Lester, the other butcher said, if I get religion too, who's going to weigh the meat? Because <laughs> it'll change your action. There's a powerful story of repentance in Luke chapter 19. Then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. And he sought to see Jesus, who Jesus was, but he could not because of the crowd, for he was of short stature. So he ran ahead, climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up at him and said, and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must stay at your house. And so he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all complained, saying, he's gone to be a guest with a man who's a sinner. And then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Lord, look, if I, I, I give half of my goods to the poor, and if I've taken any, anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. And Jesus said to him, today, Salvation has come to this house because he's also son of Abraham. <clears throat> For the son of man has come to seek and to save which was lost. We see some powerful truths illustrated here. Zacchaeus was drawn to Jesus, much like many people feel a drawing by the Holy Spirit to the Lord today. And then when in the presence of Jesus, he was convicted of some things in his life that needed to change. I'll be honest, that's why some people don't like to be in the presence of Jesus. That's why it's hard. You know, you'll hear people, 
you'll hear people say, man, I'm, I'm not, if I come to church, man, the, whole, the roof's going to fall in. You know, that's not true. We will, we'll put a hole in this roof to make sure that you can get in here. Because I recognize that if people just respond to Jesus, respond to the Holy Spirit, man, their life is, you, you, you can't even imagine. You can't even imagine what your life would look like. And you're wanting to hang on to the old rooms and the old closets and the old house and the old bones. But when in the presence of Jesus, his eyes were opened, I want you to hear this, and the gift of repentance was initiated. Something just dropped into the heart and the mind and the conscience of Zacchaeus because he was in the presence of God. I've had that happen before. Listen, I, 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 I've, I've sat in a golf cart before with a stranger and it turned into a confessional booth. I mean, seriously, we are carrying the presence of God with us. And when you carry that presence of God, there's something that just changes in the atmosphere. There's a story about Charles Finney. Great, great man of God, great revivalist, walking into a cotton factory of New York for a tour. I'm going to read it. And during a visit to the New York mills in 1826, he visited a cotton manufacturing plant where his brother-in-law was a superintendent. So as Finney passed through a spacious room in which many women were working at looms and spinning jennies, he noticed several young women watching him and speaking among themselves. As Finney approached them, they became more agitated. When Finney was about 10 feet away, one woman sank to the ground and burst into tears. Soon others were sobbing, overcome with conviction of their sin. This outpouring of the Spirit spread rapidly throughout the building until the entire factory was singularly aware of God's presence. And the owner, who was an unbeliever, uh, realized God was at work and temporarily closed the plant. He asked Finney to preach to his employees and tell them how they might find peace for their souls. Finney had not spoken to any of the laborers. He simply entered the factory and God's powerful presence in his life had been too overwhelming to ignore. Can, can you feel the drawing? Can you feel the invitation of God this morning? I felt it during worship. I actually didn't want to get out of worship, but I realized I think what God is doing is preparing this, the hearts of people for this word because repentance is not something that lands real good. As soon as somebody says that to you, you're like, oh, what are you talking to me? Sometimes the church, us, has been enamored with carrying signs on the street corner instead of carrying the presence of God inside for revival. What would happen if we realized the powerhouse that you all are when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, when you're walking with Jesus, you walk into any place? That was a true story, man. I sat in a golf cart with a stranger, and I I'm telling you what, he was just like, he was like, F this and F that and GD this and GD that and all this stuff. And, and then I, 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 this is pretty funny, I, I think. And, and, and I realized he doesn't know I'm a pastor. <laughs> and so, so I hit a bad shot. I know. 
<laughs> hey, y'all see Tiger, Tiger Woods shake the shot the other day. It made me feel a lot better. But I hit a bad shot and I turned to him and said, that would be enough to make a pastor cuss right there. And he goes, oh, you're a pastor. And I said, yeah, man, he started confessing. <laughs> Seriously, I felt like I was in a confessional booth. It was pretty cool. And I got to pray for him. Carrying the presence of God is so important. Let's have our worship team uh, come up if you would help. Drawing us to Jesus were the makeover so to speak, continues. So what are some of the areas of repentance in our lives that God wants to deal with? Sinful behavior. Come on, sinful behavior. It's, it's, it's not rocket science. But see, here's what we do. I was actually driving to church this morning. Robbie had to be here early, and uh, like real early. And I, I got to sleep in a little bit. And, uh, but I was driving to church and I was going, uh, up the, you know, up the grade up here where, you know, it said 35 miles an hour. And I thought, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to change the speed limit. <laughs> In my mind, that's what we do. We're going along a certain way and we just decide we're going to change the rules. And you know what? <laughs> I, I, you know, I've got some law enforcement guys in my church. And if I just decided, hey, that 35 is going to be a 50 from now on, I'm going to do it. I probably would have got a ticket. I don't get, God is the one that sets the speed limit. He's the one that sets the boundaries. And those boundaries for us are boundaries that keep us safe. Just like as good parents, you would set boundaries for your children. If you don't set boundaries for your children, you're probably not a good parent. You set boundaries because you realize, I only want them going so far. This is all I want them to do. I want them basically be hedged in to protect themselves and to help them fulfill everything that's designed for their life. So a lot of times we take sinful behavior and we just, well, wait a minute, maybe that part of my life, we'll, we'll keep that in the back part of the house. We'll keep that there. And, Maybe if I shine the door up a little bit, Jesus won't look. Jesus knows what's in there. And he's saying, listen, if you will repent, if you will just turn, if you will change, I'm going to tell you there's a way to live that's far beyond what you've been experiencing to this point. It's an amazing power tool. Or how about pride? God wants to deal with pride. Or how about idolatry? Putting other things higher than God on a priority on a consistent basis. Or how about unforgiveness? We're holding grudges. The church should not be a, a, a place where we hang on to unforgiveness and bitterness. Well, I'm doing good, Pastor. If I got this, I got this thing back here I haven't resolved with my brother and my sister. But I'm good. No, you're not good, because Jesus says, listen, I want to, I want to, I want, you, you have put barriers up where there, you should have been bringing walls down. Or how about selfishness? Or how about gossip? How about slander? How about a critical spirit? You know, you know the sin in the church that's most tolerated is actually gossip. And I believe it destroys people. These are all things that the Word of God and the Holy Spirit want us to have a change of mind and a change of action because they're hindrances to the makeover. 
who's a beautiful version of you and I in the heart of God, in the mind of God, in the spirit of God. And repentance comes, he initiates it, and we respond so we can take us in that progress, that process of that, uh, of that makeup. If any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. But then we just kind of keep gravitating back towards the old things because we're kind of comfortable with the old things. Or I, I kind of liked... Uh, I know I'm not supposed to be an angry man, but I kind of like being angry because, it, you know, you know why you like being angry? Because it manipulated people around you. You know why you like being cranky? Because you were selfish and you weren't getting what you wanted. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that I could unpack, but I think the Holy Spirit's probably going to speak to people this morning and say, God, please unpack that room. I'm, I'm opening that door right now. I, I recognize, and God, if there's a door in my home that, that's not open, that I've been oblivious to, then initiate something and bring it. So, And then Zacchaeus responded. There are three practical steps of repentance. First, acknowledge. Acknowledge. Secondly, sincere remorse. And thirdly, change your behavior change your actions. I believe that God is looking for a church that will be so sensitive to him that, that when he says turn, he doesn't have to yell. He just whispers, I need you to do this. I need you to turn this way. I want to remake this part of your life. I want you to come closer to me. I want you to lean into me. And I think that when we become so sensitive to the Holy Spirit, there's going to be amazing, great, amazing transformation in our communities, in our families, in our churches, in our, you know, in our region, in the nation. That being sensitive, and God showed me, repentance is a powerful tool and should be an ongoing process in the life of a believer as the makeover of God works in our life. Amen. Can you receive that word this morning? I want to pray for you. I want to pray for me. Would you bow your heads and your hearts just for a moment or two? First of all, if you're here this morning and you've never, like D.L. Moody had said, a man starts with his back towards God and repentance has him turned towards Jesus. If you've never turned towards Jesus as your Lord and Savior, here's your chance this morning. We do this. We don't do this like in a private thing, we do this like this is corporate, this is family, this is a tribe. We do this together. And if this is you this morning and you're saying, I need to turn to God, and I've not done that before, but today I give my life to Jesus, I ask you, Lord, please forgive my sin. Please forgive my sin. And I give my heart to you and I surrender to you. If that's you today, would you just raise your hand? I want to agree with you right where you sit. If you're saying today, I, I, I want to give my thank you for the hand up there in the balcony. Anybody else this morning? Today's the day. You're just saying, hey, today's the day. I'm giving my life to Christ. I'm turning into him. Anybody else this morning? Can we just put our hands together and celebrate? Okay, here's what I'm going to do. This is like a, this is like a, 
uh, maybe a hard moment for someone. But in James, it says you confess your sin to God that you might be forgiven and confess your sin to one another that you might be healed. There's something about being transparent. And so I just want to give you an opportunity this morning to stand to your feet. We've got some prayer teams up here. And maybe there's an area we're going to, I want us to just lead worship. Just, just kind of let's let, and we'll all enter in. But if you're here this morning and there's some areas of your life that, God, I need to turn this area in my life over to you. Uh, it could be bitterness. It, it could be unforgiveness. It could be, it could be sinful behavior. It could be some, it could be some addiction, some habit, you know, that you're going through. I just need broken. You might be here this morning and you need physical healing. We love praying for people for healing. We love seeing what God is doing in an amazing way. You may be here this morning and your marriage is a wreck. We're seeing God put marriages back together. You may be here this morning and you're estranged. You may be here this morning. Lord, I just feel this. I, I just, it's like there's people here this morning, one or two. And how you look at yourself, you need to repent. Because you need to look at yourself the way God looks at you. And you know what I hear when I, when, when I say that is that you have been fearfully and wonderfully made. And there has been like, like self-harm done. It's like maybe you've been cutting, maybe you've been medicating, maybe you've been doing something like this. But I'm telling you what, if you'll step forward today you'll get free. I just feel that. You're going to get free. You're going to get healed. Can we just worship for a few moments this morning?
acknowledge our need for rescue. Rescue us from ourselves. Rescue us from our tendencies. Rescue us from our selfishness and our pride. God, we, we turn towards you. Your words are repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. It means there's hope and there's a future. It means there's more than what we're seeing here. And I pray that you open our eyes in a fresh new way. Help us to be sensitive and turn into you, God. We love you, Lord. We bless you. Listen, this morning, if you're a guest, we want to thank you for being with us. And we have a gift for you as you leave the sanctuary on the left. There's a counter. We'd love to give you a gift. If you gave your life to the Lord this morning, I've got some people over here on my left that have some resources for you that want to pray for you. Amen. Just encourage you. Invite somebody. Reach out to somebody. You carry the kingdom of God in you. You carry the presence of God in you. It's, it's what our community needs. It's what your neighbor needs. It's what your family needs. Bring somebody in. Let's worship together. And let's see what God will do. Amen. Let's put our hands together one more time and give Jesus a praise. God bless you.